How can you achieve and maintain business growth? Harvard Business School Executive Education is now accepting applications for a new program, Driving Profitable Growth. Taking place in Boston from October 25th through the 28th, this program focuses on business expansion and organizational growth strategies that can lead your company into the future. Learn more about this three-day program for senior leaders by visiting hbs.me growth. That's hbs.me growth. Welcome to Locked on Box presented by brewhoop.com. Uh, thanks for having us back for... I guess uh, kind of week three of uh, of the new podcast um, had uh, some great feedback and traffic last week. Had tons of reviews come in. We're going to start hopefully trying to work through those soon. Um, but we're going to kick it off uh, this week on Monday with uh, another edition of kind of mailbag. We're going to touch on Giannis and what we can expect from Giannis this year. Um, All star Bucks potential. We're going to talk a little bit about Greg Monroe. Uh, and hopefully he won't be traded in the 12 hours or whatever it'll take from recording this here on Sunday night to <laughs> posting it probably it's on Monday. Hot, it's a hot time. It's a hot one. Um, so we're going to get to all that different stuff. And tonight I'm joined by uh, an, a longtime Brew Hoop contributor, editor, Dan Sinclair, veteran of podcasts past uh, and, and now present. Dan, how are you doing? Pretty good. I, uh, I sort of forgot how uh, audio recordings worked um, at this point, so I'm sort of just getting reacclimated to, uh, you know, uh, these this digital media. But uh, gonna do my best. <laughs> I was gonna say I'm I'm trying to think if you've done this since you went to started law school, and I'm not sure if you have, but you should be now a terrific orator. So yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, pardon me if I um, drop into discussions about uh, juvenile criminal justice and and the like. Uh, it's hard to get that stuff out of your mind, uh, but I'll <laughs> but I'll try to stay on topic. Yeah, I was gonna say you'll you're gonna if you don't have like really well structured arguments, then uh, the the law school of William, William and Mary will uh, will have to uh, live that down. So um, yeah, this is certainly gonna gonna reflect uh, reflect on my <laughs> my pending job search. <laughs> All right, so let's get into it uh, with some questions. Uh, and the first question we'll we'll go to from our our friend Kurt Leidinger. We also have to give Kurt a shout out. Uh, because he gave us a nice review on on iTunes, and and we're going to start doing that. We appreciate Excellent. the feedback. Um, and Kurt has been a, a longtime friend of uh, the website and the podcast and, uh, and everything. So thank you, Kurt. You asked a few questions tonight. The first one, though, uh, that we wanted to get to was, can Giannis repeat or improve off of his post-All-Star break stats? And I guess just to remind people of what those were, they were pretty crazy <laughs> in, in raw stat terms. Uh, he put up uh, around just just under 19 points, uh, nine rebounds, I think a little over seven assists, and I think 1.9 or 2.0 blocks per game, which were numbers that when I plugged them into the basketball reference you know, uh, season finder tool to see how many guys have put up numbers like that over a full season, I came back with no results. So <laughs> what Giannis did last year was unprecedented basically if you look at it from the all-star break on whatever that was like 27 games i think um Mm -hmm. and so obviously i think a very uh fundamental thing coming into the season is that many people are expecting him to be able to do those kinds of things perhaps better than those numbers in some some areas maybe you know maybe not quite as good in some areas but obviously be a similar type of impact guy which would be you know just kind of a crazy stat line to put up over a full season so Dan I'll put it to you first I mean what are your expectations over here we're sitting in July um 
we, we haven't heard kind of what's going to happen with a potential extension, but that I would guess an extension is going to happen. Um, but it, putting all that aside, you know, he's under contract for this coming year. What are you kind of hoping for in the back of your mind? What kind of numbers would you be happy with going into this season? Well, I mean, you have to be hoping that he's going to at least sustain something similar to to what he did uh, towards the end of the season there. Um, I mean, those numbers, like you said, are sort of unprecedented, so maybe it's unrealistic to expect a, a full-blown repeat uh, down the line with, with every single metric. But there are certain things uh, that are you know, elements of, of encouragement uh, to think that he can get pretty close. And, and the big thing is that it, the spikes uh, in certain – Certain spots. I mean, the the huge jump came in his assist numbers, but uh, just looking at his splits before the All Star break, he was averaging a little under three assists per game, and then that jumped to above seven per game uh, post All Star. And 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 it's not uh, looking back at it, uh, just a, a sort of a freak jump where uh, suddenly guys started making shots that they hadn't before off of his passes, and so his assist numbers go up. He you know, made a concerted change in his game, or, or at least was uh, was sort of given the opportunity to leverage the skills, his passing skills that he has um, in, a, in a way that allowed him to really explode in terms of production. And so that's an encouraging sign. I mean, it, it gives you the idea that um, it wasn't just a, a random jump, some sort of noisy uh, data spike in a, in a handful of games, that it is something that uh, now that he's seen, or we, we've seen him in action sort of, uh, apply those skills in a particular position um, and being used in a particular way that you can sort of uh, expect for that to for that to be repeated. And you have to assume that the the coaching staff was was obviously watching all the same stuff that we were and seeing where he was most effective and where that production was coming from. And they're going to try to put him in a position to do that again. Um, whether it's totally sustainable, um, it seems a little bit unlikely. But there are. Uh, encouraging spots in terms of his scoring um, just having having a larger role and as he gets uh, you know hopefully better from the perimeter with his shooting which is you know always going to be uh, a focus for him until it isn't anymore um, and who knows exactly how long that's going to be he may never be a great shooter but you have to hope that he gets better um, and that can certainly see his, his scoring tick up um, but in terms of that those sort of complementary stats uh, I think the the hope is just that he's in a in a role going forward that's going to allow him to get closer to what he did late in the season last year. Yeah, and I, I think if I was going to look at each of those kind of key numbers, and again, you know, okay, uh, raw stats are, are obviously not the be all end all here of these things, but they're they're the fun ones to look at. And I think, in you're kind of alluding to it. I think the, the number that could go up the most and, and maybe not next year, but sort of longer term. And again, I don't think of him as a, a being a, a guy who's going to be a 25 to seven, 27 point per game night guy. I just don't know if he's kind of wired that way, but uh, I think the scoring is probably the thing that, you know, is, is something where he has the most upside. Cause as you mentioned, he wasn't shooting threes really with consistency last year. Um, you know, after the all-star break, he shot 67% from the foul line. He wasn't doing that particularly well after the all-star break either. Uh, but he was shooting over 50% before and after the all-star break and was an efficient scorer before and after the all-star break. And so I think the scoring is probably the thing that, that maybe has the most, um, could, could go up the most, uh, you know, 18, 19 points a game might be my, my sort of, expected value going into next season just because obviously you got a number of mouths to feed i think the scoring probably is also the most dependent on greg monroe and what happens with him um 
And then, you know, I think the rebounding thing, you know, going from 7.1 before to 8.6 after the All-Star break, uh, the Bucks need him to rebound a lot. You know, I mean, they, mm-hmm. with, with the, the struggles they have on the defensive boards, that's an area where he has to be a really focal piece of that. You know, offensive rebounding, you don't really expect him to necessarily do much at all, especially as he has become, you know, more of a, a focal point as a ball handler. But defensive rebounding is where they really need him to, to step up. So, I mean... If he could get between eight and nine, I think that would be a, a really good mark to be. I think it's a very realistic place to get to for him, you know, from everything we've seen and the size he has and the fact that he continues to seemingly get stronger. And then the assists, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, it would be phenomenal, obviously, for for him to be able to to continue putting up all these numbers. Wouldn't shock me at all if he if he kind of dropped down to something closer, maybe like six assists a game or something like that. And I think a lot of it depends on just sort of like the playmaking load and you know, is Michael Carter Williams going to be back? And if he is, is, you know, Giannis going to be sharing the ball more with him when they're on the court together? Does Michael Carter Williams start? Um, you know, is Matthew Delvadova completely playing off ball? Like how, how exactly do they trade those things off? Um, so I think it'll be interesting to see. I think he certainly has a chance to, I mean, of course he has a chance to, to match all those numbers over a full season, which would be really an incredible feat. I mean, if he did, if he would put up the exact sort of, you know, per game averages that he put up after last all-star break over a full season, I think that would be a huge success. Um, I don't think he needs to, yeah, I don't think he needs to like dramatically improve on, on any of those things. Um, but I think, uh, you know, again, he can become more efficient offensively if he can, you know, work the, the three point shot into his game in an effective way, tighten up his free throw shooting. Um, and hopefully I think he does have more scoring upside, but again, he may not need it with Chris Milton and Jabari Parker and especially Jabari. I think, um, you know, he, he's a guy who could, if, if Jabari scored 20 points a game this year, wouldn't wouldn't shock me one bit. They both averaged pretty much the same. Middleton, Giannis, and Jabari all averaged like basically the exact same average after the All-Star break, just under 19. So it'd be interesting to see how that kind of balance flows out. And and obviously, if Greg Monroe is traded, then then there's going to be you know more more of the ball to go around, and they'll need those guys to score more. So I think it'll be interesting to see. I think, but bottom line. Um, you know, and it's something I've said last year a lot. You know, he doesn't he doesn't need to put up bigger numbers to be no. you know, in this historically weird class and 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 special class, um, which gets into I think the an, another question that um, that we got, which was from Andre Gelfi Thomas, which was how many more years till the Bucks have a guy in the All Star game, and you know, and again, um, I don't want to sound like I'm being overly optimistic here, but I think the question is for me is does it happen next year or the year after uh and if you say it's not one of the next two years then i think we're just being paranoid but, but i don't know do you what, what what do you think i mean obviously we're a lot of this focus will be on Giannis, but um but do you think Giannis or or maybe jabari or chris middleton do you think those guys are going to be in the all-star game in the next year two years three years what do you think i think there's a, a very real possibility that we see Giannis in the game next year um uh, I think he made enough of a name for himself uh, beyond sort of the, the NBA super fans uh, towards the end of last season that people were really starting to take notice. And he, he went from just being this sort of uh, bizarro uh, giant point guard, uh, sort of mythical creature uh, into <laughs> a giant sort of point guard, really well-known player, uh, which is a big transformation considering the all-star game is um, – you know, stats, even, even past, yeah, even past the, you know, the, the top five, that's just a popularity contest. It's, it's just like who is notable in terms of per game stats or like getting their names on ESPN homepage every once in a while, um, which are, which are things that Giannis is capable of doing. And, and he's, and he's, you know, hopefully going to be doing it while winning the bucks a few more games. Um, if it's not, if it's not next year, um, 
then it's it's probably again for maybe lack of exposure or the Bucks again sort of underachieving. I think I think it's probably the fate of of all their players uh, getting into the All Star game is is going to be pretty heavily tied to how the Bucks actually do. If the Bucks are uh, you know back in the playoff picture, sort of in the in the thick of the race for some of those middle seeds, I think you see the the chances for all of them go up accordingly. Uh, if you know things don't necessarily work out with the defense, if uh, the the roster sort of stays where it is and you've got kind of these awkward pairings and the team sort of flounders again, um, you might, it might drop some of those guys chances down. Um, but yeah, Giannis is certainly the, the most obvious choice. Um, I think Chris Middleton is actually seems like a, a, a decent dark horse uh, candidate. Uh, if only because he's, he's going to make his mark as a scorer. And that's probably the easiest way to get into the all-star game is just to, to score a lot of points. Um, but Jabari has sort of the name recognition that's also valuable. Um, but I, I, I don't know. I, I personally don't see him putting up the kind of numbers next year that are going to be necessary. You Sort of the, the, the conventional wisdom is that you always sort of the up and coming players always get into the all-star game a year after they actually deserve to be there. Um, and you could argue that Giannis with his second half last year uh, really sort of made his mark as an all-star caliber player. And so this would year be the year that that it really comes to fruition. Yeah, I think for Gian, and I think you mentioned the uh, publicity that Giannis started to get last year. Giannis now has sort of a, a reputation that is, you know, uh, okay. Of course, Bucks fans are are you know we're well ahead of this, and uh, we're not the best judges of how uh, Giannis is necessarily viewed around the league. But uh, certainly, in just sort of talking to other writers other people around the league what we see from from you know stuff on twitter and on tv he's obviously gaining a degree of credibility that you know i think early in his career he was more of a curiosity and sort of an interesting player and then he's now evolved into a guy that people view as a really special and and high ceiling guy and so i think that's important because it does you know that the perception stuff does play in and, and again he's obviously presumably he would have to go in as as a uh, coach's selection so it's not like you know this it's just some fan vote and the greeks can stuff the ballot box i don't think he's going to be voted into the all-star game regardless but um but he is the kind of guy that i think also the the fact that the narrative around the bucks presumably based on everything we understand is that obviously he's going to be the guy initiating offensively and being the point point Giannis. Um, and that's, I think just a fascinating storyline as well. So I think if the bucks do hopefully, you know, improve to hopefully something close to 500, if there's something around, you know, somewhere around 500, the all-star break if they're you know, as you were alluding to kind of in that hunt in the, the playoff picture and the narrative kind of switches from, Oh man, these guys are so disappointing to, Oh, these guys are back in it. And you know, things are kind of turning around in Milwaukee. Then Giannis is kind of the easy guy to pick out as the, you know, fulcrum of the Bucks improvement because he's the guy with the ball and he's probably going to be the guy who's, you know, let's be honest. I mean, he's going to have the most impressive kind of all around stat line as well. So, uh, so I think Middleton, I think is probably one of those guys as, as well, just because the fact that, you know, he's more of an understated type of player, um, as good as he is, you know, former second round pick, he just is never going to have the same hype that, that Jabari and Giannis do. So I think Giannis, I, I would say maybe it's a 50, 50 shot next year and it's, it's pretty closely tied to, how the Bucks look record-wise. And I think the other thing with Giannis, too, is that he's so versatile and difficult to pin down to one position that, you know, a lot of times when um, people look at all-star rosters, I mean, it's kind of silly because a lot of times, especially the starting lineups, the fan votes end up being very not 
kind of strategic in terms of how they fit together. But I think with Giannis, there's always at least some view of like, well, you know, you can't have all guards on the bench of the all-star game, right? You need to have some sort of balance between big guys and small guys and wings and things like that. And Giannis, you can sort of like fit in there any way you want. Right. <laughs> if you yeah. if you say like, oh, we need a point guard. It's like, well, he handles the ball. Uh, if you need a guy who's, you know, a forward, well, that's actually kind of what he is. That's what he defends. And, you know, who knows if, if we maybe see a little bit more of Giannis at, um, at looking more like a big guy next year, doing more big guy stuff, then, then who knows, maybe they can kind of shoehorn him in there too. So I think, yeah, I think there's a good, really good chance he comes next year. And if he's not in the all-star game the year after next, and I worry something has gone, gone very wrong. So, um, so let's he, move if on. He does, uh, if he does get into the game and he's on the bench, uh, it seems like they'd be crazy not to put him in at point guard at one point just just for the for the entertainment. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, or they'd... put him in at center and let him bring the ball up, right? Yeah. So um, just do weird, weird stuff. Yeah. Uh, so the next, um, we had kind of an, a group of questions here that were all kind of related to Greg Monroe trades. And uh, as uh, Eric and I found out last week when we were recording about uh, stuff tangentially or directly related to miles Plumley, you know your best played plans to record a bunch of podcasts and then spread them out over the week can get really thrown thrown off when uh, a guy that you were talking about actually signs a deal the next day uh, fortunately we all expected miles Plumley to be back um but we did not expect him to sign for as, as much money as he did so that kind of probably made some of our podcasts last week sound a little bit weird because we were talking about well if they bring back miles Plumley, which we think will happen uh and of course he had already signed but anyway we apologize but uh in order to get as many of these out we do record them uh usually a few at once but uh getting to the point so greg monroe who has not been traded as of sunday night at ten thirty eight central time um joe red asks how will the team look if they can't move Monroe? If they can't move Monroe, do they move Jabari? Elijah Price asks, if Moose holds a little value, is now the time to explore moving him along with Middleton in more of a blockbuster? So both of these questions, I, I wanted to group them together because they both sort of imply the idea that if you can't get value for Greg Monroe, which clearly the Bucks are having a hard time getting the value they want for Greg Monroe, it's not a question of whether or not he's available, uh, these questions both sort of imply, like, well, then do you react to that by trying to trade Jabari Parker or Chris Middleton either with him or or in lieu of him? And I think the first question was probably pointing the idea of, well, Jabari and, and Greg are defensively very difficult to play together, so would you trade Jabari uh, to keep Monroe? And um, the second one, just more of a to get better value, do you trade Chris Middleton with him to to do like a blockbuster for a superstar, and uh, you know we always hear Demarcus Cousins mentioned as like a you know is Demarcus Cousins available, and what would the Bucks have to give up to get a guy like that? Um, not to get sort of deep into any one trade scenario, but um, I, I, well, I'll, I have very strong opinions about this, but I'll let you you hit it first, Dan. I mean, do you does not moving Monroe does that in any way affect your your view of of guys like Jabari and Middleton and whether you should try to trade those guys? Uh, no, um, I think this is a, a sort of a philosophical question in terms of you know how you handle when a guy becomes redundant on your team, uh, you know for whatever reason whether you acquire somebody else through the draft anything like that, um, or, or if you have a, a contract that's really bogging down your cap situation. But uh, we should be clear that this particular situation with Greg Monroe isn't the sort of crippling situation that teams, including the Bucks, may have found themselves in the past. 
um, where they have a guy who is, you know, toxic to the locker room or just like clearly not working out with other key players on the roster or, or has a, a massive contract that's really uh, prohibiting the team from doing anything going forward. And we're not really in a situation with that, like that with the Bucks. Obviously they want to move him and it makes perfect sense uh, to move on. Uh, it was you know, a, a nice story to, to land Greg Monroe in the first place. I, I still think that there's some value in having done that. Um, even if it didn't work out, obviously it sort of um, uh, torpedoed the season to whatever extent you feel Greg Monroe's arrival was responsible for that. Um, but they they do not need to uh, panic or do any sort of rash, uh, make any sort of rash decision as a result of, of having him on the team. And that it absolutely includes uh, trading away Jabari Parker out of some fear of the two of them not being able to coexist on the court or... Uh, necessarily devaluing an asset like Chris Middleton just to get rid of Greg Monroe. And and that, you know, is of course in the context of whatever you might do. I mean, that's not to say that a trade involving Chris Middleton may not uh, be a good move for the Bucks, um, but to attach something that's really valuable to a contract that, or to a player that obviously right now isn't, doesn't, command a whole lot of value from the rest of the league um, is not a, a real efficient use of what the what the Bucks have available to them yeah I, I would 100% agree I think I, I think back to a few years ago and, and the the Steven Jackson Andrew Bogut trade and the questions that came out then as well as and again I'm not to say that that they gave away Andrew Bogut to, to get rid of Steven Jackson. But clearly when, when you have a guy that, that you feel is, is damaging your locker room and is, is difficult to have around the team, um, that's problematic and forces you to, to make some potentially suboptimal decisions, let's say. And Greg Monroe is, is not Steven Jackson. Greg Monroe is not, you know, poisoning the well here. Um, I, I don't know if you can bring him off the bench and have, you know, everything be copacetic. Um, but I think fundamentally Greg's, you know, uh, an unselfish guy. He, he obviously is potentially going into a free agency year, uh, with his player option next summer. So clearly he doesn't want to, you know, be a 10 and six guy playing, you know, 18 minutes a game, but by the same token, um, you know, he's, I don't think he's going to be a, a problem child or something like that. So I, I think the bucks are obviously going to try to trade him. Um, but I think, you know, worst case scenario, and you know, this isn't, a horrible case scenario. Uh, I think you can bring him back and, and figure out some way to use him and potentially get value out of him. Um, and I don't think you would ever consider, you know, attaching Jabari or, or, or Chris to a trade with Moose just to be able to move him. Or for that matter, you you certainly wouldn't choose to trade Jabari just because you know Greg Monroe is an expiring salary that you'd like to get value for, and you can't. Um, you know, so I, I think though they're totally different questions. The the you know building around Jabari and Chris and Giannis, um, those are things that, that I think the Bucks obviously are, are doing, and um, clearly they're not letting Greg Monroe's situation sort of dictate what they're doing with from a team building perspective because I don't think they signed Miles Plumley for for the deal that they signed him to if if they you know were expecting Greg Monroe to dictate, you know, well, we can't, you know, we, we, we got to move Jabari now. We get, we can't do, we can't keep Miles Plumley because we need to get Greg Monroe minutes. Clearly they're not thinking that way. So I think, um, and I think that's the right way to do it is, is to keep those very separate. And, you know, at this point, Greg Monroe is, is not going to be a buck forever. And, and I think it's just a question of, does it happen, um, you know, before this season or during the season or, or next summer? And, and, but beyond that, you can't really let it affect things. So, um, definitely agree to, to separate those, those two factors. Um, 
And then let's do one more question in, in this episode. Um, and it's, uh, I, and again, kind of somewhat related to question. It gets to sort of this idea of trade value. And um, I'll preface this by saying that I, I am in no way seeking, uh, I'm not you know, pillaging the trade machine for ways to trade Chris Middleton or Jabari Parker. Um, but Jason Farina sent in an email, which, which you can do, brewhoop at gmail.com. You, you know, we, we, we do have an email address, although Twitter is great. Um, Jason asked, assuming Giannis is off the table, would you rather trade Middleton or Parker in a deal for Westbrook? And who do you think OKC would rather have? Or more generally, which player do you think has more value, both from a Bucks perspective and the perspective of the rest of the league? This is an interesting question, and again, I'll preface it again by saying I'm not trying to find ways to trade either Chris or Jabari. Um, but let's look at it this way. I mean, let's look at it from the Bucks' perspective, Dan. If you were um, in a position where either you had a, a superstar talent that you could get uh, and you had to trade it, or you know you were forced to cho- to choose just one, <laughs> the plane this is, is going a weird, down. A weird situation. The, just assuming this is all happening over the phone, and they somehow. <laughs> have kidnapped somebody the metaphorical plane is is going down and you've got one parachute and chris and jabari are are looking at you longingly for it um which guy uh from a a team building perspective only not a living a a life or death perspective but from a team building perspective only which of these guys would you would you rather build around this is a uh a really tough question um for, for a lot of reasons that go beyond just like who is the better basketball player, which is a difficult question to answer. I mean, right now, uh, certainly Chris Middleton uh, gives you more consistent production uh, in terms of uh, things that you really want out of a player in today's NBA as a three-point shooter, as a defender, although uh, we maybe don't necessarily think quite as highly of him as a defender as we did uh, a year or two ago. Um but then you look at Jabari, who's sort of still the the um, hopeful up and coming star, uh, this really really um, good good teammate by all accounts, um, and and they both have a lot going for them. Uh, if I have to choose one of them to land, a, you know, a true superstar talent, which is sort of the idea with this hypothetical Westbrook Westbrook trade. Uh, I am going to lean towards trading Jabari at this point. Um, I uh, am still admittedly a little bit wigged out about the knee injury. Early knee injuries in anybody's career are always scary. Um, It does sort of bode well that he came back uh, looking pretty strong by the end of last season. Um, Looks like he's made a, you know, as good of a recovery as one can expect at this point. And it always takes, uh, you know, the, the sort of, Ideas that uh, a serious knee injury like that always takes a good year to really get back to, to normal. Um, but that's just, you know, a, a, a little hiccup in the uh, in his career arc that that's always going to kind of stick with him. Um, but at, at the same time, uh, Middleton is just is just a very effective player right now. And and it's easier to bank on what you know than what you hope. And right now, Jabari has a lot of potential to be a very, very good player, a very good offensive player. Um, he's probably always going to have defensive limitations, but you have to hope that he can either, you know, sort of marginalize those um, just by by improving on that end or just by being so good offensively that it really just makes up for it. But that's all that all sort of is uh, remaining to be seen. And right now, Middleton um, is is obviously a very good player enough that He's consistently called one of the you know, more underrated guys in the NBA to the point where uh, he's so underrated, somebody might even call him overrated. 
Uh, and that's something that's really valuable to have uh, under team control for a long time with this new contract. Um, it's, it's just too much to overlook, uh, even in the face of potential stardom with Jabari. So I, I am, I guess, shoving, shoving Jabari out of the plane and uh, steering it, <laughs> steering it down with Middleton by my side. Uh, well, no, you got to give Middleton the parachute. Right, dude. I not... Middleton. So what's <laughs> happening to me? Like, who, what am I, am I going down with the plane? Oh, I don't know. My, 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 this analogy fell apart this a long a, time ago, so I'm, I'm really just going to abandon this. Uh, yeah, it's, 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 it's pretty dark. It's a, it's a dark timeline. Um, I, I would agree. So I, I would agree that the logical view of who is, you know, the guy who, especially over the next three years while Middleton is, is locked up before he hits, can hit free agency again uh, with his player option in 2019, uh, I would have a very hard time believing that Jabari in the next three years is going to give you more overall value than than Chris is just because uh, again Chris is much more of a fully formed product on both ends and just from a versatility perspective as well he just is really easy to fit in with kind of different types of personnel um, and 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 again I say that and I'm I'm not somebody who worries that much about Jabari and Giannis and their fit together that doesn't actually worry me that much i think they're both good enough that they can play with each other especially because of just Giannis's extreme versatility on both ends um but my heart leans towards jabari and a lot of that's just sort of from looking at kind of the really big picture of of trying to build a special team that actually has a chance to to contend and 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 be really good and i think when you think about that um you know, one of the things that the the Bucks have done this summer, and I think it was, I think, I mean, I don't think they're doing this unwittingly, but they are building around Giannis, Jabari, Chris in very sort of methodical ways by finding these complimentary guys who are going to make those guys look better and not, you know, take shots from them, not make them look worse on defense, but compliment them in, in, in good ways. And, you know, to the point that obviously <laughs> maybe Miles Plumley they were sort of settling a bit too much on just bringing back guys who fit well with them um, in terms of, you know, his contract probably being an, you know, a, a pretty clear overpay versus what, you know, leverage in the market would have suggested. But either way, um, I think that when you think about it, if, you know, let's just say Chris Middleton was, was gone or Jabari Parker was gone, um, you know, I think the Bucks could be pretty good with with Chris and Giannis as sort of the two main guys. Um, but, you know, I don't think Chris is going to blossom into the second best player in a championship team or whatever. And I, I always am a little wary of using that sort of criteria. But um, but I think he's a great third banana. And at this point, I don't think he's the second banana. Um, I don't think he's, you know, quite in that Clay Thompson um, level of uh, – shooter defender type guys uh and obviously you can argue that you know i think i would say clay's not the second best player on the warriors either i think he's behind both draymond and stuff but uh but i think jabari you know again probably won't be as uh, you know if jabari is ever as good two ways as chris is now that you know that might even take a little bit of a stretch especially on the defensive end but i think just the fact that he could be special just makes me feel like yeah you know what you're the milwaukee bucks like you got to gamble on upside and guys like that and I would rather take the kind of uncertain future that that comes with uh, with a guy like Jabari who's younger. And I think the other big piece of it too is just the contract control piece. So Chris, 
Chris could, you know, can just walk in three years, which, okay, that's a long time. I'm not worried about that. doesn't keep me up at nights, but you don't have any guarantee there versus uh, Jabari is two more years under his rookie deal. And then, you know, like every rookie, he's probably going to sign a, you know, an extension of let's say four or five years. Um, and then, you know, you, so you've got an aggregate six, seven years before you can, before you probably hit free agency if he wanted to, if he wasn't traded. So I think from a contract control perspective, that's always really important to me when I think about any trade involving Jabari versus whether it's DeMarcus Cousins or Russell Westbrook or whatever. I mean, if you don't have any guarantee that those guys are going to be here more than one year in Westbrook's case or more than two years in DeMarcus's case, I'm just not going to give, want to give up a guy like Jabari who, who you know, I think culturally fits well, who's you know started to play well and has potential and obviously he's got pedigree. It just, you know, it's just sort of one of those things. It's like I don't want to make the Bucks window the next one to two years. I think you got to think about it really long term, given how young the whole roster is. So, so yeah, my my head would maybe say Middleton, but but I'll I'll follow my heart and and say Jabari. And um, so yeah, Jabari, here's here's your parachute. Uh, save yourself, and I'll uh, me and Chris will crash into the mountain or whatever it is. Um, anyway, we'll we'll close up. This episode, um, we I'm not sure what, what our time is at, but we'll obviously uh, one of our things we're trying to keep these snappy and quick. Um, and so hopefully uh, you, you have a better sense of, of our uh, big picture views of, of Giannis and what we can expect from him this year. Uh, and along with that, Jabari and, and Chris and, and how those guys fit into to the big picture of, of the Bucks and why you should not be looking to trade those guys, even with Greg Monroe not being moved. And uh, Hopefully, why you know maybe in the next year or two we'll have an All Star buck for the first time since what? Oh four was that it? Was that when Michael Rudd was an All Star? I think it was the oh three oh four season. Um, yes, kind of. Like yeah, kind of crazy to think that was, um, you know, how much younger I was when 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 the last time the the, the Bucks had an All Star rep. But anyway, um, appreciate everybody listening. Feel uh, feel free to drop us uh, an email, a tweet. Uh, keep asking questions. Uh, we appreciate the five star reviews. Those have been great. Pushed us into the top thirty, I think, in in the sports uh, podcast rankings on iTunes last week. So we had our little brief moment in the sun. I think we were ahead of first take. I want to say, which felt good. Um, oh, absolutely. <laughs> and and uh, also because I I just made a ton of accounts and gave them a one star rating. So that was, that was <laughs> you were a, taking so a bit thing. of an astroturfing. Yeah, uh, yeah, 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 exactly. So, but anyway, uh, appreciate it. Uh, we'll have a bunch more podcasts this week. Um, we'll we'll be trying trying to do the daily thing at least through uh, through the month of July, and then when things slow down in August, we'll probably slow down a little bit. But uh, appreciate everybody listening, and uh, appreciate Dan Sinclair for joining me tonight. Thanks, Dan, and uh, we'll talk to you guys soon. <laughs>